going solo on this edition of the Hear the Spirit podcast presented by Noel Game Day. We're going to do some instant analysis coming off of Florida State's 17-10 win over Duke today at Wallace Wade Stadium in North Carolina. A lot of things to digest. Yet another kind of unsatisfying win for Florida State as they get into this year. And, and even though it wasn't unsatisfying, they do improve to 2-3 and three and finally get another win on the board. It was just a weird game today all around. It, the game just shot by. The, the first half ended in just about probably 65 minutes, maybe 70 minutes. It was a sh- low possession game. Both teams were running the ball a lot. And when they weren't running, they were they were throwing short, um, pretty safe passes for the most part. Kind of kept the clock running and shortened the game. And I think Duke's game plan, too, was to shorten the game some and try and kind of limit the impact that Florida State's athletes would have on the game by not letting them wear Duke down. So I think Duke kind of factored that in. And then Florida State never goes fast. So it was kind of like a perfect storm to have such a low possession game especially when Florida State's defense couldn't get off the field in some third and long situations. And that kind of exacerbated that problem in terms of just not being able to, to get the ball back and get those those possessions that you need. Um, we kind of dive into it, look on the offensive side of things. Yet again today, Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers were really, really good for Florida State. You, you can hear me probably clicking to look at these stats, but when you get into it, Cam Akers had 15 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown with that long being a 42-yard touchdown run that came at a really critical time for Florida State. Jacquez Patrick put up 98 yards on 18 carries. So this week, Patrick um, outrushed in terms of having the most touches in the run game. Like Looking here, um, Cam had two receptions and Jacquez had two. So yeah. Um, Akers was outtouched by Patrick this week, but outgained him a little bit. I, I think we've really seen Akers mature a lot over the last few games. Against Miami, he kindly, kind of finally had one of those games where he didn't have any of those moments where he looked uncomfortable as a running back after being converted from a high school quarterback. He was starting to hit the holes. He wasn't doing any of the, the north to south. He was doing the north to south type stuff and not really um, worrying about going east to west like he did in his first few games. And and he also looks really good as a pass blocker in terms of protecting Blackman. So I, I think those are positive signs going forward. And they're working well as a tandem. They're kind of working working together and rotating them pretty well to, to keep them fresh. So I think that's a good thing for Florida State going forward, especially when you look at, at how Louisville was just absolutely gashed by Boston College on the ground today. So that's something to watch going forward. And just building off of that, Cam Akers is going to be vital to this program as Jimbo Fisher moves forward and, and this offseason comes around and, and there's a rebuild on Florida State's hands. they got to get this culture turned around and and really change things. And I think Akers is going to be one of the, the – if this program is going to turn around and, and build back into a elite program that's competing for a national championship in, in the next few years, Akers is going to be the guy that it's going to be kind of built around because he's an elite player that you already have on your roster and he's already showing what he's capable of you know, just five games into his college career in terms of just being an all-around elite player, just impressive in terms of his ability to, to shed tackles and finally broke the big one this week that it's been pretty obvious that he was capable of doing for a little while now. 
And, and building off of that, just talking about the offense side of the ball, um, Auden Tate didn't have his biggest day today, only three receptions for 30 yards, but yet another touchdown. And that's five touchdowns in five games for Tate this year. I think a lot of people kind of this offseason overlooked Tate in, in terms of just thinking that, you know, they knew what he was. He was what he was, is what he is, that type deal. And we're kind of hoping from big things out of Nyquan Murray, especially after his Orange Bowl performance against Michigan. And then Keith Gavin with the way the coaching staff hyped him up and just his physical ability. And really, Auden Tate's been the, the only consistent one this year. He's been Blackman's security blanket pretty much ever since he took over the starting role after the game against Alabama and has just kind of helped the offense out a lot. I'd hate to see where this offense would be without Auden Tate. So, you know, just with him having five touchdowns in five games, I didn't think or I didn't know. I thought there was a possibility, but I didn't know that I'd come away from the season thinking that Auden Tate's a surefire NFL receiver, but that's definitely what I think now. You know, he's not a first-round pick type guy, but I think think he could be like a value pick in the in the middle round somewhere and really make a team happy with with his reliability so I don't know if he leaves after this year but he's definitely been impressive and then getting into it uh James Blackman a second straight week he's thrown two interceptions and it was kind of they didn't come back to back you know right around halftime but they kind of happened again and not in the first quarter but in the middle portion of the game which is where they happen last week and he the games didn't really mirror each other against Miami he was pretty bad in the first half all all around and in the first quarter today he was really good he was like seven of eight in the first quarter and so they didn't really mirror each other but they did mirror each other in terms of a little bit of adversity that he faced in the middle part of the game but then he's able to turn it around and he kind of put himself behind the eight ball with his interceptions in the last two games but then down the stretch he's really you know locked down and looked a lot better, and I think we saw him grow up today more so than we did against Miami. Miami, the two touchdown drives he led were impressive, but those throws that he made for those the touchdown to Izzo and the touchdown to Tate, those wide receivers were open. Today, he made some throws over the middle of the field, including one to Izzo in traffic, that that shows to me that he's growing. He he's he, he's getting to where he can throw over the middle, and he can be successful doing that and throwing into tighter windows. And that's going to be important for him going forward because in these first few games, he hasn't really shown that he can do that. So if he can start doing that with some consistency, which is to be expected of someone his age, you know, being 18 years old, true freshman, he's going to have to improve some. And it's definitely looking good for him in terms of being able to to make those kind of throws, especially in situations that were as critical as it was when Florida State was driving down the field on that crucial drive after Duke had tied the game at 10 all that led to the touchdown from acres that made it 17 to 10. So I, I think that's a positive sign for Florida state going forward in terms of Blackman's development and overall the offense today, they, they did an okay job just by looking at the statistics. It was a real good day for them. They averaged 6.96 yards per play, which is good. But 17 points after gaining, I think it was 425 yards um, on offense, just just doesn't cut it. And that comes down to just the defense not being able to get off the field and, and giving the offensive less possessions. And also feeding into that is just a couple of Blackman interceptions on those possessions. And then Florida State just really not being able to work anything in the red zone 
it, it just it's not there yet. And so Florida State has some work to do in that regard, and and it's uh, it's understandable for a, a true freshman quarterback to have some issues in the red zone because everything the margins are finer in the red zone. The defense has to cover, has to defend a smaller area of space, and that makes everything everything tougher for a young quarterback down there in the red zone. So it's not the end of the world, but the offense definitely has some work to do, especially now already down Landon Dickerson for the year. And also they lost Derek Kelly today. So no, don't really know his status going forward, whether he's going to be available for Louisville or what his injury status is. So that's going to be something to watch as Florida State continues to try and build on on this year and hopefully um, – just perform better and, and grow up as a team leading into next year. When we switch over to the defensive side of the ball, it's one of those days again. I feel like we, we see this far too often from this defense. This defense is super, super talented, and they don't play god-awful, but they also don't play near as well as they should. Today, they only gave up 10 points to Duke. Duke, by no means, has a great offense, though, and and Miami limited them to 6 points their last time, two two games ago when Miami played them, they were limited to six points. So the Duke offense by no means is explosive. They don't really have that one guy that they can just ride. They don't have that one elite player. It's just kind of a, a mashing of a bunch of mediocre players. And that's why it's kind of concerning to me that Duke gained five-plus yards per play. It's just... Five plus five yards per play isn't horrible, but for this talented of a defense and it being Duke, they they just sh- that that mark shouldn't be reached. It just it can't happen, and a, a lot of that is just the defense, and, and most of it came on some situations where they they should really be asserting their dominance, asserting their eliteness when when they're in these third and long situations, and. That there's a long pass play that they gave up on third and seven, where they were running cover two, and AJ Westbrook had his eyes in the in the back backfield and bit up and left a Duke wide receiver wide open. If it was a better throw, it would have been a touchdown. So there's just plays to be made. And they're not being made. There's some loafing going on. Um, Tavares McFadden, he he's good in coverage. Dude will cover pretty much anybody. But right now, his run support aspect of, of his game is just lacking, and I don't I don't know where to put it on because it just doesn't look like they're getting the best effort out of him, and you know it's a money year for him, so he needs to kind of lock down and and get back to giving the type of effort he did against Alabama in terms of being he's capable in the run game, and he, he's just not showing it right now. It's it's an effort thing I think because he was really good against good against Bama in the run game. That That's just something that needs to be worked on. I think there's some personnel decisions that need to be made on defense. I think some guys like Hampson, Dean need to get more playing time just because all pretty much attain- of FSU's attainable goals this year like are gone. There's no national championship. There's no playoff. There's no AC- pretty much no ACC championship game. People are, are trying to act like there's a chance now because Clemson lost, and, and if Florida State beats Clemson, it, they would – you know, be have both two ACC losses, assuming Florida State goes undefeated from here on out in the ACC, which isn't entirely a give me. And it's not so because you got to worry about NC State. NC State doesn't have a, a ACC loss right now, and they beat Florida State. 
So that means NC State's going to have to lose three more times in the ACC for that to happen. I just don't see it happening, especially today with them getting a pretty handy win over Pittsburgh. It just looks like NC State is a pretty good team this year, and I, I don't see them picking up three ACC losses by the end of the year. So I think the major benefactor of a FSU victory over Clemson would be NC State, and it would probably line them up pretty well to win the ACC Atlantic Division and face whoever um, comes out of the Coastal, whether it be Miami or Virginia Tech. So that's that seems like a wash. So like Florida State's defensive goal or uh, Florida State's goals as a team this year are gone. Not even a state championship with a loss to Miami. Pretty much the only thing that they could do is you know, kind of rally back and, and make it make a decent bowl game, but that that's about it. So with, with that being said, I think Florida State needs to kind of make some personnel decisions and prepare themselves for the future. We, we kind of saw it last year, and we thought it was going to help a lot this year in terms of getting a bunch of guys playing time, but that's kind of been hindered by the fact that Carlos Becker's been out with injury and hasn't really been able to factor in and play as much as they thought he was going to be. And I just think that they need to play the young guns a little bit more. There's guys not hating on Nate Andrews, but you know what? what's Nate Andrews going to do for this team in terms of... I don't think if you put Nate Andrews out there versus when you put a guy like Hampson Nasraldine, yeah, Nate's a pretty safe player because he's he's been here so long and he's comfortable and he knows what, what Charles Kelly wants of him. But he's not been totally locked down this year or anything. And I I just think, especially with Nate graduating, you get a lot more with playing guys like Hampson Astraldine and and Stanford Samuels the third, and just getting out there, getting them out there in as many way in many times as possible. I think you just benefit more from that, especially looking into the future, than you do playing a guy like Nate Andrews, who's a going to be gone after this year. And I know you want to win games, but I'm just not convinced that you get that much more out of a guy like Nate Andrews than you would get out of someone like Hampson Nasraldine. So I think that there's some decisions that need to be made there, and I don't know if the coaches are going to make them because I think it kind of the coaches are going to have a problem kind of admitting to themselves that this year is just totally a wash. So I, I don't know if you see that. But also, FSU's lack of a pass rush was pretty concerning today. I know Sweat made some plays there at the end of the game, but just throughout the game – and Duke, Duke's quarterback was getting the ball out pretty quick, kind of similar to what you see from, from saw from NC State in terms of getting the ball out there quicker. And so they didn't have a whole lot of time, but there was just a lack of push in general. And after having a guy like Demarcus Walker, who led the nation in sacks last year, it's just a, it's a really big, I guess, it's a really big difference when you have a guy like Demarcus who is getting pressure you know, 70% of snaps and then go to this year where you might be getting pressure against Duke today, 25, 20% of snaps. It's just a big difference and allows an offense to operate a lot smoother. So that that's kind of concerning to me going forward. And, you know, it was just a, it was just a game. You know, you can't really say anything one way or the other about it. They won. That's, that's good. But it, it was, almost more disappointing than it was promising because you're looking forward and and you're just waiting for it to click and for the offense to turn in a performance that's a a semblance of of complete in terms of being able to to score the ball on a consistent basis and 
and convert in the red zone. And that didn't happen today. And then the defense today. You're waiting for a game for the defense to really assert their dominance and be the dominant unit that you know they can be. That didn't happen today. So they won, but it was ugly. And the more and more I watch, the more and more I'm concerned about the program going forward because there's just little things that continue to happen. And it blows my mind that they continue to happen. Just... The wide receivers lining up wrong, which happened several times a day, with Nooney Murray lining up covering Ryan Izzo, so which resulted in a legal man downfield that cost Florida State a, a 40-yard gain. Just just mental errors. And there was another time where, where all three of Florida State's wide receivers lined up on the wrong side of the field, which, again, just a ment- and, a, and it caused Florida State to burn a timeout. Again, just inexcusable mental errors. And it just, when's it going to change? Another thing, Tavares McFadden continues to let punts drop in front of him. And the thing is with it is that it's costing Florida State field position because he's letting these punts bounce instead of fair catching him. Like, the fan base isn't even asking him to return them and, and house punts. They just want the guy to, to, you know, anybody that watches football on a consistent basis knows that you need that guy to catch the punts just to save yourself some field position to avoid these these favorable bounces for the opposition, and that's not happening. And and Jimbo seems totally fine with it. That's the scary thing to me, is that your head coach doesn't realize that these 40 to 50 yards of field position every game that your punt returner is giving up just because they won't catch the ball, fair catch the ball. And and, and stuff like that, it's it's so concerning to me because I, I just it, it baffles me that that he thinks that's all right. And I just don't get it. Quite frankly, it's pretty simple for anybody to see that these punts are, are catchable and you could save yourself field position. And the thing that, that's so bad about it to me is that Jimbo preaches those hidden yards, as he likes to call them, and, and stuff like that. Those are hidden yards. And if you're going to preach, you got to practice what you're going to preach. And he doesn't do it. So I... I just don't get it. I don't know why. I And it really just makes me kind of nervous for the future of the program going forward. Because it, those are little things that are that are seemingly easily fix, fixable. It's not a whole schematic issue where you got to trash a scheme or anything. It's just as simple as telling the guy to go catch a punt. And and if you can't if that guy can't catch a punt, finding someone on your extremely talented roster that can catch a punt and and fair catch a punt it's 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 pretty mind you know boggling to me so i don't know what the the state of the program is going forward but all i know is that right now florida state's two and three they got louisville next week which looks like a an interesting game in terms of just looking ahead i i know that the boston college of all people absolutely gashed Louisville's defense this weekend, especially on the ground. So Florida State, with the ground game that they've had going the last couple weeks, um, turning the two-headed monster of Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick loose, should stand a good chance to you know, put up some big numbers on the ground against Louisville. So we'll see about that going forward. But um, that's just going to about do it for this game, this Instant Reaction podcast. Um, we'll look back at it a little bit more, Ryan, Corey, and I, when we get to you with our regularly scheduled podcast that's going to drop on Thursday. And uh, other than that, 
we'll sign off. This podcast is always available as usual on the uh, iTunes podcast store, uh, Google Play, and SoundCloud as well. That being said, I'm going to sign off of this uh, episode of Hear the Spirit presented by Noel Game Day. Uh, Hope to see you on Thursday for the uh, regularly scheduled podcast with my two co-hosts. Thank you for listening, and drop us a five-star review if you like this podcast.